0: Can the all-time GOAT get it done against the future GOAT? Brady and Mahomes going to head-to-head, and everyone's talking about who's going to win the big game. Whether you're on the Chiefs or the Bucks or the Totals or the Props, just remember where you're betting is every bit as important, if not more so. That's why I always tell my friends, go to my bookie, MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. It all takes you to the same place. Look up my bookie. They've got all the props for the big game, and these guys truly let you bet on anything. Not just the national anthem, MVP, color of the sports drink, dumped on the winning coach. My bookie has a buffet of Chiefs, Bucks, props for you to gorge on. You could even win big. ...on NFL Squares, which is now quite popular. No need to leave the comfort of your home. You can access the sportsbook and casino right from your phone. Don't miss out on the last game of the year in football. Sign up at MyBookie today. Use promo code ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. And have your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus just for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet, win, and get paid with my bookie. Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service
1: very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover. Exceptionally common sense.
2: Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection?
0: Today on the Cast, Tom Brady shows no sign of being old yet. But did his reputation take a hit after he was forced to apologize to the Honey Badger? Joe Barry's hire in Green Bay is utterly indefensible. But hey, you know what? It could work out. Andy Polin joins me to do the usual Monday mop-up after all things Super Bowl. Plus, the real reason the NFL had to step up its halftime game back in the 90s. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, ho, ho, ho. here we go. Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. Thank you. For downloading, well, there is aftermath from the Super Bowl, including a Brady apology for some naughty, naughty words. I don't know how bad they were, but I'm just wondering if Brady would have had the lack of discipline to say something that could be reputation altering to Tyron, Tyran, Matthew, honey badger. He did apologize to Matthew in a text. We'll see if it goes anywhere from here, but okay. This has now elevated just another level. Going to get to Andy Poland here in just a second, but some non-NFL stuff. You saw over the weekend that LeBron James, echoed by Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden, all said basically, yeah, I'm not feeling the all-star game. I don't want to do it. It's getting harder and harder to stomach some of these top flight athletes. It's harder to defend them. As much as I want to say nice things about them because look, there's a lot to be said about LeBron James on the on the positive side. But look here. Read the room. All right, pal? Read the room. Complaining you only had 71 days of off-season? Oh, I'm sorry. People have lost their family business. They have been locked in their uh, elderly care homes for way longer than 71 days. You're bitching about that? What about all the days you had off from March to April to May to June to July? Right. Those don't count exactly? What? I know. It's a huge burden. You are hoping to get a couple of days off from your job playing bouncy ball. Making $40 million a year. I know. You wanted to be with your family. It's always that. Nobody ever says, man, I was hoping I was going to go play golf for five days. Or I was going to go to strip clubs for five days. NBA players need to read the effing room. And the commissioner would do well to come out publicly and go, look, I'm not having any more complaints. If we say we're having an all-star game, I want all our stars there. And I want them to screw on smiles and be into it, because it's not a big ask. Yeah, it's part of your job. You go, you show up, you play 20 minutes of half-ass, grab-ass basketball, and you get adulated by the fans, which won't be there, in Atlanta maybe a few fans, and the media. Although come March could be a whole different picture. It just gets to be a bit much. I'm a guy that doesn't mind the top athletes earning every penny the market will Provide, given how good they are, telegenic and everything else. But, damn it, show them up, will you, when it comes time to do your basic job. Ryder Cup at TPC Scottsdale? What? This was proposed, I guess, in a comment, fleeting comment, or something from David feherty And the proposal will be simply this. You've already got 16 enclosed in a complete stadium of fans, you could do the same on 17 and basically the same thing on 18. Imagine the final three holes, match play, bing, bang, boom, stadium atmosphere. Now, the only wrinkle in that would be a lot of matches don't get to 18 and some even not to 17 and some even not to 16. So what do you do then? Ah, I have an idea. I would put a stadium around the first hole because the first blow, <clears throat> excuse my voice, the first blow in a match play event is always very exciting. And the first T box already has its own sort of stadium around it. So you put a stadium on one, people would definitely be there to see the first matches go off. You maybe put another stadium on nine, and then you do 15, 16 17 and leave 18 just the way it is i'd be all for it the golf course is not that it's pretty plain to be honest it the weather is always fantastic i've played it humble brag but it's uh it's an idea worth thinking about will they ever do it i don't know they've got tons of room for corporate tents tons of room for merchandise tents Weather in the fall would be fantastic. You could push it even later into the fall if that works for your schedule. If you're the PGA Tour, just saying. Email from John Gallagher. Zabe, listening on iHeart to your Wisconsin show, and you guys were talking about how lame the Super Bowl shows were in the 1990s. You remember though what changed it? In 1992, Fox counter-programmed the Super Bowl. And the halftime show with a live show of In Living Color. Yes, that was the Redskins-Buffalo game. The show was going to be around 30 minutes long, so Fox, pretty new at the time, decided to have a live Living Color show with a bunch of great skits. And every once in a while, they would turn on a screen of the actual halftime show and say, See, you're not missing anything. We'll tell you when it starts back up. It was 17-0 at the half, but if you got bored with the game, come on back over. We'll still be going. They drew 22 million viewers away, almost 30% of the audience. And you know it dragged the younger demo as well. And that was when the NFL decided we better start planning bigger and shorter halftime shows. Yes, you were mocking George Burns in 87 or Chubby Checker in 88 as the halftime acts, but they had the Rolling Stones in 06 and Paul McCartney in 05 about 40 years after they started and at least 20 years since they were actually really big. That's not too far off from George Burns, etc. It's just that we are the old ones now. Haha. <laughs> Funny point. All right. Let's get to our man, Andy Paulin. Hello. For the second time in 10 years, Andy, the Washington football team is virtual almost pseudo champions. They played (laughs) the Buccaneers (laughs) to within an inch of their life in the first round of the playoffs with Taylor Heineke, of all people. And 10 years ago, they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at FedEx Field when Rodgers got knocked out with a concussion in the fourth quarter. They beat him in overtime. And I remember at the time, old Danny boy was strutting his stuff on Radio Row about how we beat the eventual champs.
2: Yeah. Well, he was actually, it was before the Super Bowl, and he said he was rooting for the Packers to win. Right, Therefore, it'd be something of a victory for his football team if they had beaten the eventual champs. Yeah. Small victory. Very small.
0: (laughs) Small victory for a small man. But hey, Mm -hmm. what you going to do? All right. How'd you like the Super Bowl, Andy?
2: <sighs> Surprising, one thing. I mean, I I did not expect that. I picked Kansas City to win, and I didn't think it would be a lopsided game. That 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 shocked me to no end. And uh, the fact that Kansas City was completely bottled up the way they were. I I, I was really stunned by that.
0: Where did you stand on Brady Brady going into the season? Because I proclaimed loudly, okay, he said, I'll retire when I suck. Here it comes. He's now going to suck. And I am sucking on my own he's-gonna-suck prediction.
2: No, I, I thought he would actually be good, and I started to backpedal a little bit when he struggled oh. early in the season.
0: <laughs> okay, I,
2: I didn't say you know he was on his way out of the league, but you know I didn't think that there was any chance that they would win a Super Bowl. So uh, I was I was mostly wrong on that. But I thought I thought going to Tampa Bay was a good move for him. There's more weapons available there, and also you know look what happens now when he goes there. It's not. Going to New England, where you're going to have to play for Bill Belichick. It's going to Tampa to join Tom Brady. So Leonard Fournette gets cut by Jacksonville. That's where he wants to go. His old buddy Gronk is sitting around the crib, gets a call. Hey, I'm, I'm ready. You know <laughs>
0: that is amazing. Gronk's comeback to have two touchdowns in the big game is pretty damn impressive because he was shot as a player when oh, yeah. he retired, physically this, this, what... shot.
2: This was, and and I'm even too young to remember watching this, but I've heard all about it over the years, and so have you, Max McGee, who was yes. playing for the Green Bay Packers and seemingly on his way out of the league in uh, the first Super Bowl. He, he and his uh, buddy Paul Horning went out the night before the game, broke curfew, and had met a, a couple good time. With-
0: met a couple stewardesses. Broke, yeah. broke Vince Lombardi's strict curfew. Ends up getting in the game because Boyd Dowler gets hurt. Right. And he catches the first touchdown pass in Super Bowl history. Caught another one as well. I think he had six catches for over 100 yards. It was his best performance of the entire year. Probably should have won MVP. Instead, it went to Bart Starr because that's what they do. They give the MVP to Bart Starr and the quarterbacks, just like Brady.
2: wound up playing like three or four more years after that. And Gronk said last night that he's going to come back. He's he's not going to stay retired, so...
0: I was I was watching Gronk on uh, NFL Network, and bless his heart, he runs on the most simple software in that big skull of his I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm just saying he speaks like a cartoon character. Right. Like right. a child almost. It's right. sweet. It's great. I'm sure he has plenty of intelligence, but it comes across like he is just a meathead.
2: Right, and, and that's why I felt watching him last year on Fox. And I don't he think wasn't good. Of, no, I don't no. think he's got much of a TV career. So it was the perfect thing for him to come back and play football. And he's, he's 31. He could play another five or six years. Yeah. Why not?
0: How about Bruce Arians, though, coming back from retirement? He had health problems. Mm-hmm. The job was going to put him in an early grave, kind of like Gary Kubiak, or any number of other coaches who just stress themselves out. Of course, he doesn't look like he's living the healthiest of lifestyles. Mm -hmm. But he comes out of the booth, and he wins a Super Bowl as a long-overlooked coordinator who constantly, I thought, never got the shot he deserved.
2: Yeah, I remember when he left Pittsburgh, and Ben Roethlisberger threw a hissy fit. Yes. Um, and I thought to myself, Well, what's the big deal? It's uh, just another coordinator. They'll have another one who'll tell you to throw the ball long, you know. <laughs> what's 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 the big thing? And then uh he resurfaces in Indianapolis and uh and did a great job there. And uh and then I thought did a pretty good job in Arizona. I don't know why that he did. ended.
0: I think uh-huh. I think burnout. And I think it was felt like he could only get them so far. I think he retired for health reasons in Arizona. I think that was it. Okay. Um but yeah, the uh they uh they they replaced him in Pittsburgh with a Todd, Todd Haley. Yeah. <laughs> Todd Haley who didn't have nearly the resume either coaching or playing wise as Bruce Arians. I love the old school long-haired Bruce Arians as a quarterback at Virginia Tech photo.
2: Classic. Yeah. I, I I've seen that. I, I don't remember him there as a quarterback, but yeah, he did that, and uh, and and hung around, you know, a long time. He got his first coaching job at, at like sixty, right? I mean, yeah, it, that, you just don't see that very often.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a tough road when you're not the son of an NFL
2: head coach. Yeah, you you just make some kubiak. Here we go. Yeah, I just I just saw that that Clint Kubiak is going to be the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Shut right.
2: up. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs>
0: Must be nice to go into dad's hardware business, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, and oh well, I look look at North Turner's son, Scott Turner, who's, right? you know, he's, he's done a good job. But
0: but here's the thing. Here's the thing. With the Britt Reid story, and you were the first to text me going, oh, boy, looks yeah. like another one of Andy's sons have, has screwed up. You can't allow guys who have been to jail on an NFL staff. That's my opinion. That's my dividing line. I don't want to hear about he served his time, he did his debt. He went to jail, Andy, for brandishing a gun at a motorist and for drug dealing and a DUI. Why is he even in the NFL? Just because Andy's his dad?
2: Well, there's no nepotism rule. Look at all the sons of that have jobs. But is there not a criminal background rule? Uh I don't know. I guess if not. If the father's doing the hiring,
0: does no. the league just look away? I am trying to channel my inner Ace Rothstein from Casino. <laughs> when he says dead eyed, look, either your kid was in on it or he you know, he's too stupid to work for me.
2: Do, do you think this commissioner would mount that horse?
0: No, because they don't like the publicity. No. And and they they have they have they have decided uh, very much so that uh they're not going to get into the drunk driving business they're in the domestic violence business they're in the diversity business they're in the social messaging business they're not into stamping out drug dr- drunk driving they don't care right. about that issue
2: Right. And, and, you know, I, I, it's hard to criticize a parent. You know, there are, there are really good parents. Who I'm not criticizing that,
0: Reed because anyone's kids can become addicted. I'm criticizing right. the NFL for not stepping in to go, no, you can't hire him.
2: But, but I would also look at it from the father's standpoint and say, the NFL business is not your normal nine to five job. And so if, if here's someone who's had problems with drugs and alcohol in the past, and we get into a situation we're crashing and we're trying to cram in for a Super Bowl, and he goes leaving late at night and hits two cars on an exit ramp, that's something that might not happen if he had a more structured job, if a different kind of career. And so, you know, twenty twenty hindsight, I understand, but doesn't Andy Reid say, you know, that's probably not the right job for him to have.
0: You know? It's I understand it from all angles. But I'm just, I remember the phrase, protect the shield. Yeah, The shield got very lucky because if, if Britt Reed crosses a double yellow instead of hitting cars that have been disabled on the side of the road on what might have been a dark, snowy night where you can kind of go, well, I can see that those cars could have jumped up on anybody. If he crosses a double yellow and kills a family of four, that's real problems for the NFL. They dodged a well, bullet.
2: Well, I mean, this is to me. It's a real problem. You got a, a five-year-old child who may have brain damage or may die.
0: It's um, right. It's still a terrible problem, but at least there's some mitigating factors that allowed him to kind of sweep it under the rug. By the way, here is the Ace Rothstein scene where the, the county commissioner begs for his idiot nephew's job.
2: Like many, many years, Now, friends vote, <laughs> family and money votes. That's important to me and you. And if you'll. Think about our little problem along them lines. And you forgive me for saying it. Maybe he did not deserve to be fired. I'm sorry, but he knew about our getting hit on three big machines in a row and he did nothing about it. That means either he was in on it, or forgive me for saying this, he was too dumb to see what was going on. Either way, I cannot have a man like that working here. Before we point the dirty end of the stick at old Don, uh, we better be sure we can prove them charges. Believe me,
3: if I could prove, Proof. he would be under arrest.
2: <laughs> are, uh, are we certain that you want the game in control board eyeballing your record and your gangster pals like Nicky Santoro? I think you're way out of line talking <laughs> to me like that. What you're saying is libelous. And you're in no position to challenge my expertise. I went way out of my way to be very helpful and courteous to that kid. He's weak. He's incompetent. He jeopardizes the whole place. There's not much more I can do for him. You have got me there. Oh <laughs> God is as useless as tits on a board. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: so classic the way he handles yeah. it. And you know, and that's to me my thought about hiring kids of coaches who have troubled backgrounds. They jeopardize the entire operation.
2: Yeah, but there is that, uh, well, he had problems in the past, and he's overcome them, and look at how far he's come, and he's working with his father, And you know. I yeah. mean, it's it, it's a narrative they can sell as well.
0: Does the NFL have a problem with P.I. being called equitably and in a way that the vast majority of fans don't feel it's bullshit?
2: Well, I mean, I felt watching that game that with all the penalties that Kansas City had, to me, they looked like penalties. I, I uh, you know, I really, mean, every one of them, I, I thought so. Uh, I know Boomer Siasen said at halftime that, uh, the referees were taking over the game and they should have let him play and, and that sort of thing. But I, I felt that, you know, can Kansas city should have adapted to the fact that they were calling it yeah. and they didn't. And, and they just, they, they lost their cool Tyron Matthews freaking out. That was not a good look. Their body language was terrible. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a bad time to, to have a terrible effort and a, and a terrible performance by Kansas City.
0: Mahomes could be headed towards toe surgery, they said.
2: Right, right.
0: And that, does that concern you? In what way? Well, I mean, you know, turf toe is a serious injury. It doesn't seem like, well, it's just a toe, but it's the that basis oh, point yeah. for all movement. And guys' careers have been... Ed- Mike Webster, Pittsburgh Steelers, turf toe. No, Jack Lambert. Jack Lambert, okay, I thought yeah, it was Webster. Mike,
2: Mike Webster played for 100 years and made That's his brains true. into into mush. That's but, uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Who was the, the, uh, the stealer that drove the wrong way oh, down God. the Pennsylvania um, turnpike? Strelzik? And ended, Strelzik, yeah, Justin Strelzik, and basically crashed head-on into an 18-wheeler and a fireball, going the yeah. wrong way, complete, his brain was completely gone.
2: Yeah, 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 no, they had they had issues. They had guys. They were one of the early real steroid abusing teams. Sure.
0: And, uh, you know, they had they had some problems. So, but. who's your favorite next year in the NFC? Is it Tampa again? Why not? Right? Is it Green Bay? <laughs> um, and, and speaking of Green Bay, I tried to tell my friends up there, Joe Barry stinks. This no, I get
3: that. this hiring,
0: I, just, I said this hiring is indefensible.
2: I, no, no matter how many times you fail, you keep getting jobs. This guy this guy was the defensive coordinator on an 0-16 team. Right. And, and, he, and it was sold to the Washington fans. Oh, yeah, he's going to turn things around. Not like Jim Haslett. No, this is going to be much better than that. Yeah, I don't get it.
0: He lasted two years. He was terrible. His defenses in Detroit were like 32, 31, 30, 32. In D.C., I think they were 29, 28, something equally terrible. He was on McVay's staff because, remember, the connections in Washington. But he was so bad, they moved him off of defense. (laughs) He was working on the offensive side of the ball. I have never, Andy, in all my years of following the NFL, remembered a coach who got a plum D coordinator job on a super bowl potential winning team after being moved off a of defense. Cause he was that bad. Never seen. Yeah. It.
2: No. And I, I don't ever remember anyone being the subject of one of the great media exchanges of all time, Rob Parker, in Detroit, saying to Rob Marinelli, who was the coach of the team, do you wish your daughter had married someone else? Because (laughs) that was his son-in-law, Joe Barry. (laughs) 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 That
0: that, that was a rough one right there. The Hall of Fame finalists were announced over the weekend, and of course that leering ogre, David Baker, inserted himself firmly into the entire process. I find it... So unseemly, it makes me angry. Your yeah, thoughts?
2: Th- I, I cannot stand him, David Baker, who is is literally four hundred pounds. He's six. six he's the one of the biggest human being on earth. He's six nine, nine
0: 400. four hundred. Yeah,
2: yeah. And and he loves to be on television. So last year, he makes it a point to barge in on the set uh, to to get in for Jimmy Johnson on the pregame show to right. tell him he's in. And then he flies across country, obviously first class, because he won't fit in coach. Right. And he flies across country and does the same thing with Bill Cower on the uh, CBS set the next day. Uh, this this whole dog and pony show that he does, where he knocks on the door, and if you get a knock on your door, you're in the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, you sit in there with your family waiting for a knock that never comes, and then everybody's all disappointed. What a what a terrible way to do things. And, and if you look at the people who are getting in, many of them have association with television.
0: Of course. And those
2: that, and those that don't uh, get get washed away. Like Joe Jacoby was a finalist twice. He had to go through this ridiculous nonsense where he waits in his hotel room with his family. And For he doesn't a knock get in. that
0: never came.
2: Yeah, yeah. and so now he's, he seems to be out of the mix. And they're talking about Tony Baselli who had like four healthy years, right. never came close to a Super Bowl. Jake had, had four Super Bowl appearances, a four-time pro bowler. I, I mean, it, the whole process yeah. to me is is ridiculous.
0: And now the, the, the comp to Jacoby is Leroy Butler for the Packers. Packer fans are rightfully upset. John Lynch got in in part because... He Mm looks so good, and he was a good player. I won't take that away, but I mean, I never felt like I'm watching a Hall of Famer in John Lynch. Nice player, white guy, telegenic, good smile, went to TV right afterwards, very visible, then became the GM of the Niners, and it always benefits the Hall of Fame to give the spots to people on TV. And so right. Leroy Butler, he does a, a local thing in Green Bay. He does a little bit of TV up there, but he does a, he's otherwise out of sight, out of mind. And Leroy Butler basically pioneered an evolution of the position where safeties would blitz, and they would make sacks, and they would be two-way players. And no recognition. It's a joke. Yeah. The yeah. only good thing is that they I did see where uh, they surprised Peyton Manning on a football field where he was filming something, I think, for his Peyton's Places. Mm-hmm. And they brought on the five coaches he's had in his career wow. to tell him he's in the Hall of Fame. Now, of course, the leering Shrek was right behind him in his stupid red blazer. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they had the coaches do it. And I thought, oh, that's how it should be done. David Baker should step the fuck out of the bit, the picture as the you know, Hall of Fame CEO and mm-hmm. and get somebody that means something knock on the door for him. But you know he won't do it, Andy. Because he loves the spotlight.
2: Well, uh, and also the, the whole process. I mean, they, they they don't vote; they just discuss. It's thirty-nine guys now. Some of them well, are no they, brainers.
0: They do know. vote, though. That they, the, they, at the end of the discussion, they submit here's who should be in.
2: Okay, but it, but it's these forty guys in a room. Right? Why not? Why not do it like baseball? Just does? vote. Exactly. Just vote. Yeah, and 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 they they're a big thing. Oh, we have an all day meeting before the Super Bowl. Okay, it's, save a little bit of money on on room service, yeah, and and, and just just mail in a ballot. And, yeah, it's and, the worst. And the and the, and the, and the uh, percentage of votes like baseball, seventy five percent. You're in. Boom. Done.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Peyton Manning, I I watched some of the free snippets on ESPN of the Peyton's Places series.
2: They're very good, aren't they?
0: They're. Great,
2: yeah, he's, he's, he's great, on TV. great. Yeah,
0: the yeah. concepts are great, yeah. the production value is great. I'm like, why aren't you putting this on television like on real ESPN?
2: They do at the end of the series, so you'll see it a couple months from now. I watch most oh, of the really? pan- pandemic, yeah. When, when they weren't on, he's, he's so good on TV that every year his name comes up for the Monday night booth and they throw around these Tony Romo figures. And he goes, nah, nah, I don't <laughs> want to do that. It's great.
0: He, he, he uh, meets with David Letterman and it's hilarious. Yeah. And he says, and so he has Letterman's propose some rule changes. To football, including the goalposts get raised five feet every ten minutes, and they actually had a kicker. They put a little field goal, a little goalpost up on a, a, a
2: scissor lift, and they
0: put it way up in the air. And the kicker actually made the kick.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh he, god. He, he he did some very good ones this this past year. What was one of my one of my favorites was he did one with Al Michaels and he put on a, a toupee and one of those yellow blazers and did his Howard Cosell. It was really good. Oh, my it God. Was, that is great.
0: that is funny. A couple media things here. Jerry Green of the Detroit News actually went to the game. He thought he wasn't going to do it. He's 93 years old. He's the only media member to cover every Super Bowl. I got to believe, first of all, big ups to you, uh, Jerry, because, look, you ducked the virus. Look, you're 93 Tomorrow is not promised to you. at night. The next 10 minutes at 93 is not promised to you. So good for him. That said, I got to believe he's fucking sick of it.
2: Well, he didn't want to go from what I read. He, he had decided he wasn't going to go. Right. And the league, the league called him up and said, uh, we'd like you to keep the streak alive. So we're going to bring you in. So
0: What if he catches COVID the next two days and dies? Right. The league think- will have blood on its hands.
2: He doesn't even really write anymore. He, you know, he was, like, trying to retire. Jerry Eisenberg, who was with him for most of that stretch, he, two years ago, bailed out. And he, he, he lives in Vegas now. And, uh, yeah, there, there, there was, like, for a, a long period of time, there's, like, five or six guys left. And, um, and then uh, that's it. He, I guess Jerry's the last guy. You know, it was really bitter. Uh, and he passed away a couple years ago and he'd had a stroke and which was out of it for for quite some time. Paul Zimmerman. Yeah. Zimmerman,
0: Dr. Zim-
2: Z Zimmerman, who like fancied himself as like, you know, the thinking man's football guy. Right. He would, he, he would go into a locker room and like shove past Peyton Manning to go talk to his right guard. You know, I'm, I'm too smart to talk to the quarterback. I, I didn't really like him personally, but he had a, quite a reputation in football. And apparently early in his career, he got called off the super bowl for some like college basketball assignment. And he was bitter for a long period of time that he wasn't in that group that had been every, every single super bowl. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Tony Romo. I declare the Tony Romo Romo honeymoon is over. I think he is guessing way too much. I think he is pulling his punches on areas that he should be more sharply critical And I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying the honeymoon is over. Your thoughts?
2: Um, I think he's still good. I like his enthusiasm. Uh, He may have lost some of his ability to predict every play, and maybe there was some pushback on that, and people said, you know, back off of that a little bit. But uh, I, I would take him over any other analyst at this point. But is the
0: honeymoon over? Well, What do you mean honeymoon
2: I mean what, what, it, it, it,
0: like because I watched the game and listened and I was like Romo's not doing nothing for me right now and he used to really get me into the game
2: I still think he gets me okay. into the game um but you know when you sign a guy to a contract like that, there's there's no real motivation I know. To, to stay real sharp and i think and
0: he i think he tends to like anybody pulls his punch punches a bit cuz he's making 18 million a year why does he want a meeting if he says something like that, too critical
2: how, how about this he's jim nance's guy to the point where when nance did the masters and didn't do a game that weekend they made sure that romo didn't work with ion eagle that's right and so That's if right. Nance leaves, and this is, this is you know, the rumor that he's. Uh, there
0: Oh, of he, course. He's, he wants 18 million himself. I'm yeah, like, but,
2: go fuck but, yourself. And I like but, Jim Nance. But the Disney wants him because they're going to make another run at, at having a primetime game. And so they want to use him. Plus, as you know, the first two days of the Masters are on ESPN. Oh. And they see him as kind of a magnet so they can get the Saturday and Sunday, too. Well, so.
0: son of a bitch, Jim Nance is going to get a huge payday. Remember this bite, though, from September of 2017 regarding Romo? Oh, God darn it. Why
2: does it do that? Hold on. Listen to him, okay? Tony, get off it, okay? <laughs> First of all, you're intruding on your play-by-play man, Jim Nance, who's just trying to give us a se- We uh, it, Romo did that during the game on a touchdown call. He jumped in with, oh, wait a minute, could be holding. I'd like to watch the game. Okay. And you're not going to be here. Here's a memo to all of you people who, oh, this is great. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's not going to happen. And the further, the more years you spend away from the league, you're going to know less and less about the personnel that's out on the field. So I'm blowing a stop the hype. Okay. Right now, I'll listen to it. There you go. That Brent? Oh, I love Brent. Of course. The dul-
0: dulcet yeah. tones of Brent. That was three years ago. I'm not, yeah. I I think he's not wrong. Romo is going to float further into the ocean away from the shore and not know nearly as much.
2: You may not remember this, but like Joe Theismann's first year out, he did a couple of games and he did a Washington game in which he was predicting plays. I mean, he didn't have the stage that Romo did because it was, you know, just a regional telecast. But I remember him working with Jack Buck and like, Buck was amazed, you know. I you know that. Oh, really? You know, and he uh he he was exactly that. But as as Brent said, the further you get away from the guys you played with, the less and less you know about the league. And that that probably is a hundred percent on target. I mean, yeah. who would know better than Brent?
0: Final media note from the Super Bowl. Uh there was a reporter who apparently asked yeah. Byron Leftwich what the defense was keying on, not knowing he wasn't Todd Bowles. Of course, Bruce Arians famously with an all African-American staff underneath him. This is as cringy as it gets. Going into
4: the game, what was your number one goal on the defensive side to, to shut Mahomes down, shut that high-powered offensive down? What was your guys's number He's one goal? He's looking around like, that wait a minute. Oh shut up,
1: Pat Mahomes down.
0: I think you got the wrong guy.
2: <laughs> I had nothing to do the nervous laugh
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I
0: mean maybe he couldn't see him, but Andy that's really bad.
2: That's bad. yeah no you, you you should know the difference between the two that's that's not good. Oh God
0: Wait till I talk to Jay about that later in the week. All right. Andy, is always a pleasure, my friend, and we will talk next week. Thank you, bud. All
2: right, Dave. Take care.
1: Grandparents, at Vanguard, you're more than just a grandparent. You're the family historians. You fill your closets with heirlooms, family photos, and letters from long ago. You're always planning the next family reunion, even at the reunion. Because for you, time well spent is time spent on them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner, because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.
3: For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24/7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: Can the all-time goat get it done against the future goat? Brady and Mahomes going head to head, and everyone's talking about who's going to win the big game whether you're on the chiefs or the bucks or the totals or the props just remember where you're betting is every bit as important if not more so that's why i always tell my friends go to my bookie mybookie.com mybookie.ag it all takes you to the same place look up my bookie they've got all the props for the big game and these guys truly let you bet on anything not just the national anthem MVP, color of the sports drink, dumped on the winning coach. My bookie has a buffet of Chiefs, Bucks, props for you to gorge on. You could even win big. On NFL Squares, which is now quite popular. No need to leave the comfort of your home. You can access the sportsbook and casino right from your phone. Don't miss out on the last game of the year in football. Sign up at MyBookie today. Use promo code ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. And have your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus just for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet win, and get paid with my bookie. Let us finish today with a visit to COVID land, where the stories are coming in so fast and so furious and with such amazing angles. And by amazing, I usually mean stupid. But they are amazingly stupid, these stories. For example, Los Angeles Times columnist Virginia Heffernan who lives in Brooklyn Heights but lives somewhere else rurally to escape COVID, oh, that's very elite of her, recently had a dilemma. Her Trump-loving neighbors did something nice for her. They plowed her driveway without even asking. She writes, Ms. Heffernan. Oh, heck no. The Trumpites next door to our pandemic getaway, who seem as devoted to the ex-president as you can get without being Q fans, just plowed our driveway without being asked and did a great job. How am I going to resist demands for unity in the face of this act of aggressive niceness? Of course, on some level, I realize I owe them thanks. And man, it really looks like the guy backdragged the driveway like a pro. But how much, thanks. These neighbors are staunch partisans of blue lives, and there aren't a lot of anything other than white lives in the neighborhood. There's also, this is also kind of weird, she writes. Back in the city, people don't sweep other people's walkways for nothing. Jumps in here. Uh, this is Rod Dreher at the American conservative, he writes, it takes a New Yorker to be confronted with someone doing something nice for them and get suspicious about the angle. She goes on to say, so here's my response to the plowed driveway. Politely, but not profusely, I'll acknowledge the Ben Sassian move with a wave and a thanks and a minimal start on building back trust. I'm not ready to knock on the door with a covered dish yet. I also can't give my neighbor's absolution. It's not mine to give. Free driveway work as nice as it is is not just the same as currency. Is not just is just not the same currency as justice and truth. To pretend it would be, to pretend it is would be a lie. And they probably aren't looking for absolution. Anyway, oh my God, get therapy. That is something else right there. My Trump neighbors plowed my driveway. What do I do? Uh, thank them. Go talk to them. Maybe think they're not that bad of people. Maybe you could find some common. Wow a New York-dwelling magazine writer with a country estate, can you get any more prototypical elite liberal than that? The answer is no. Hey, some numbers for you on the row. We don't really get good scoreboard numbers other than the local news. I, I catch my local news periodically as I'm looking for a weather forecast or two, and of course it's always, you know, the The country has passed this milestone, 480,000 deaths and 490. It'll soon be 500. And when it is 500, which it will certainly be, it'll be a grim milestone because they always are. You don't get the really good stats. This is remarkable. Justin Hart from Rational Ground, which is a website that tracks COVID numbers and tries to screw everybody's heads back on straight, Posts a CDC-released chart of hospital hospitalization rate for those with COVID and the CFR, which is different from the IFR. The CFR is the case fatality rate, as I'm sure you know because you're smart and you pay attention and you listen to me and you get it. But for those stragglers that may not, CFR case fatality rate, that means we have a confirmed positive test and That person died. Whether they really died of COVID or not, in this country, we know is very dicey. We're probably overinflating COVID deaths at least by 20%, given the death certificates that I've seen from people who dig them up and say, oh, look at this one, 93 years old, congestive heart failure, advanced Alzheimer's, kidney failure, and COVID. Bing! Put it on the pile. Anyway, so here are the numbers. Back in March of last year, the hospitalization rate for COVID was 23%. Holy shit. And the case fatality rate was 7%. Wow. Now that's a pandemic. The numbers started falling immediately after they're on. The hospital rate went from 23% to 16% in a month. And then by May, it was 8. And then by June, it was 6. And then by September, it was 3.8. It stayed there, 3.8, 3.8, 3.6, 3.0. Now it's down to 2.3%. So in other words, only 2.3% of all new COVID cases are actually ending up in the hospital. And for good reason. We've got more interventions. The virus has plucked all the low-hanging fruit of old people who are probably going to die of one thing or another in the course of 2020. That's good. The case fatality rate is even better. So it was 8% on new cases back in April. It went all the way down to 3.4% in May, 1.6, 1.7, 1.6, 1.2, 1.2, 1.2, 1.2 1.0, and then just in January, the CFR is at 0.53%. All great news. Do you hear this anywhere? Do people talk about this? Do you understand what it means? Of course, of course you understand what it means, but I'm just thinking to other people. Of course, we're now coming into a vaccine problem. What's the vaccine problem? Uh, apparently, well, I, not apparently, but I predicted this. I said, you watch in about three months come April, we're going to have more vaccines and we know what to do with. We're going to be swimming in vaccines. You won't be able to give them away. In fact, some would say the government may try to start forcing us to take them. Well, here's Scott Gottlieb, big-time member of Hashtag Team going on Squawk Box to talk about it.
4: Your op-ed today in The Wall Street Journal, I like because it puts forth this tantalizing idea that soon we're going to go from the current problem we have, where it's a whole problem of supply, too much demand, not enough supply. We'll have the reverse of that at some point where we have lots of vaccines and, and not enough people who want to take them. How quickly can we get to that point? Yeah, I think it's going to happen all at once. I mean, this isn't going to be a gradual transition. And I think people are going to be surprised that it's going to happen sooner than we think. So if you if you look at the math, we're going to put about 220 million doses into the market by the end of March. And if J&J gets authorized, which I think they will, that'll be another 30, maybe 40 million doses. So figure 250 million doses by the end of March. And if if a 60-40 split occurs, meaning 60 percent are first injections, 40 percent are second injections, which is probably about right That's around 150 million people that will vaccinate between um, December and the end of March. I think that's going to work off a lot of the available demand. Then we're going to be putting another 100 million doses into the market in April. So I think once you're getting to those kinds of numbers, once you're looking at over, you know, close to 200 million vaccines available for first injections, I think we're going to run out of demand. I think we're going to run out of demand sooner than we think. And I suspect at some point in March and certainly by the end of March, We're going to have to make this generally available. That doesn't mean everyone could go and get a vaccine on April 1st, but I think everyone's going to be able to go online and get an appointment sooner than we think. We'll still be rationing it through February, but at some point in March, states are going to have to make decisions about how to open this up more widely. And if we continue to ration it, based on you know, now, more and more narrow slices of the population, it's going to get harder to administer. So I think we're just going to have to open this up to general availability, which is good news. I think certainly by April, this is going to be widely available because the demand is just not going to be there. We're going to have to work at it to try to get you know, the incremental patients vaccinated. I think the demand here, as I've said all along, is deep, but not wide. There's probably about you know, maybe 100 million Americans that want this very badly. Beyond that, we're going to have to work at it.
0: Yeah, work at it. Translation, figure out a way to force as many people as possible to take it. Will be interesting. AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, and another company, BioNTech SE. What happens if all these companies that have rushed these vaccines to market, and thank you very much for doing so, with incredible investment, and the government has already promised to buy hundreds of millions of doses... What happens if they then can't go get those into arms? Are they still going to be paid for them? Are they paid up front? Do they care? Do they not care? If it's a case of, oh, shit, if people don't take this, we're going to lose our ass, that could be a problem, don't you think? Here's a story. UK eyeing COVID-19 booster shot in autumn and then annual vaccinations. Gee, you'd think that some journalists, if they were actually doing journalism still, would investigate just how deep the financial links are between politicians and vaccine companies. Don't you think? And then there's this. The Biden administration is planning to launch a $1 billion COVID-19 vaccine awareness campaign. Oh, my! a billion dollars. Are you aware of COVID? Are you aware that we have vaccines now? Would you like to get one? Good, because we're spending a few dollars, a billion exactly, a thousand million on this campaign. A billion for the most widely known illness in world history. Wow. The only pandemic that needed a PR firm. Wow. And of course, some would say, but no, this is just... The government, the Biden administration, sort of paying back media. Because remember, how is that money going to be sent? That's a billion dollars directly to media outlets for commercials and everything else. One hand rubs the other. Wait, is that how it goes? One hand, my hand is on your back and I'm rubbing whatever, something like that. On the mask front, a lot of people getting mask righteous from what they saw in Tampa. Interesting chart here. Member Alabama, national title, big plummet off the cliff. Uh, chart here that shows Mississippi versus Alabama, two different neighboring states, similar demographics, different mask mandates. Alabama put one in earlier in July. Mississippi followed after that. Mississippi took theirs off September 30th. And the two lines between Mississippi and Alabama in terms of cases – On a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, they trace the exact same line up and down. But people believe that masks work and they make a difference. And then speaking of masks and vaccinations, the Biden administration is kicking the tires on the idea of forcing people to have a negative test just to fly domestically. This would be insane and devastating to the airline industry and travel industry and everything else right as it warms up in the spring and we come into summer. But why would they do it? Because if you have to get a negative test a couple days, 24 hours, 48 hours, before you fly from Tampa over to Buffalo or whatever, but you can skip all that if you just get the vaccine and have your handy papers right here, guess what millions of Americans are going to do? Does the government have the right to do that? I suppose. I guess we're going to find out. We'll see who's going to stop them. You, Lieutenant Weinberg, as the line went in the movie, A Few Good Men. There is one legislator, Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona, who has put forth legislation to prohibit the Secretary of Transportation from imposing these COVID testing mandates on domestic air. We'll see if that has any teeth or goes anywhere. I will remain pessimistic. All right. Do something kind for your neighbor, no matter who they voted for, and stop being such psychopaths. That's my enduring message of the day. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow, no podcast, no regular podcast. It's a travel day to me. I'm headed to Milwaukee, and then I'll be going to Mexico with our Sunburn Bowl. People, it's going to be a great week. I think next week might be a subscriber-only week. And we might do three podcasts that are all subscriber next week. I think I need to take a vacation from the regular free podcast. And I think next week, real low spot in the sports calendar, probably would be a good time to do it, at least for you freeloaders. And I say that with the utmost kindness and happiness in my heart. Just kidding. No, I'm fine. But it might be subscribers only. Tomorrow. If you're a golf nerd, we have the nerdiest of Capital Golf Gangs that we'll be dropping. So you can enjoy that or just skip it all together. Doesn't bother me one way or the other. I'll talk to my man John Ronas, Ronnie Thomas, and John Gould about all kinds of things that only matter to golfers. Like cheating and drivers and a bunch of other stuff. All right, thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time. Can the all-time goat get it done against the future goat? Brady and Mahomes going head to head, and everyone's talking about who's going to win the big game. Whether you're on the Chiefs or the Bucks or the totals or the props, just remember where you're betting is every bit as important, if not more so. That's why I always tell my friends go to my bookie, mybookie.com, mybookie.ag. It all takes you to the same place. Look up my bookie. They've got all the props for the big game, and these guys truly let you bet on anything. Not just the national anthem, MVP, color of the sports drink, dumped on the winning coach. My bookie has a buffet of Chiefs, Bucks, props for you to gorge on. You could even win big. On NFL Squares, which is now quite popular. No need to leave the comfort of your home. You can access the sportsbook and casino right from your phone. Don't miss out on the last game of the year in football. Sign up at MyBookie today. Use promo code ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. And have your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus just for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet, win, and get paid with my bookie.